0: play.edu or kpfk.org
1: Hi, this is Angelique Kijo and you are listening to People Powered Radio KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara and worldwide on the web at www.kpfk.org Peace and love.
2: 300 years ago, Sir Thomas More invented the word Utopia, where everything was going to be hunky-dory, but now we know it's going to be a green-powered earth, and that'll be Solartopia.
3: Was there an
4: Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve? From what we conceived Either way We got what
2: was
3: needed When the sun shone down On the Garden of Eden Don't you You know know We're gonna have a a Solid
5: Hey, we did. We started to burn too many things we found. That's the Divine Dara Williams with so Pete Seeger, the legend, and David Burns—not the Talking Heads guy, but the guy who runs a music store in Beacon, New York—all um, uh, singing a Solar Topia song. It was on the uh, uh, where was that, uh, myla?
2: Well, it was on the Tomorrow's Children album. Uh, Featuring the Rivertown Kids, along with Pete Seeger, and and uh, you can actually find that Grammy Award-winning album um, somewhere online, I imagine. But uh, YouTube, it's It's on YouTube. It's also on YouTube.
5: And just uh, just Google or go on YouTube with for Pete Seeger and Solotopia, and you'll you'll got it. We are back. I'm Harvey sluggo Wasserman with the California Solotopia Show with my um, uh, partner in crime here, my my reason. And, uh, we've got two great guests. We're not expecting another one. Uh, uh, Paul Guype, uh, in, uh, Bakersfield, California and, uh, Tatanka Bricka, the new chair of the KPFK board. I don't know whether they offer you congratulations or condolences, but you are going to be uh, running the show here, at KPFK FK, Tatanka. And you're up north, uh, somewhere near Morro Bay, uh, and unfortunately way closer to the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant that we are. we got uh, a ton of uh, uh, great stuff to deal with here today. Um, I, we did uh, uh, want to issue, reissue our challenge. Do you want to uh, do the honors here?
2: Well, I was wondering... Um... You haven't heard back from Oliver Stone yet? No, I'm still waiting
5: for Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone did me the great favor of putting me in an Oliver Stone film uh, uh, about about nuclear power. It's every progressive uh, dream to be in an Oliver Stone movie, and he put me in one. Uh, it was his movie, but he, ne- he never interviewed me. And, and, um, and so we are asking Oliver Stone to please debate uh, uh, the issue of nuclear power in a public forum. We can use it for a KPFK fundraiser. And uh, uh, Oliver, if you're Listening. Um uh, join my platoon, please.
2: Well actually, Oliver, if you are <laughs> listening, you can call 818 818- <laughs> 985-5735 and, and debate. Um, yeah, we Mr. Debate Wasserman, right on the air. we could do it on the air, but it, but other callers are welcome to call in as well. Listeners, uh, please call us at 818-985-5735. We will be taking your calls. We're going to be talking about um Batteries and, and electric vehicles, and a little bit about this uh, horrendous uh, news that came out of the Department of Energy today about uh, 1.1 $1. 1 billion dollars. The finally, the uh, the deal was signed. It was uh, the press release went out that the Biden administration has decided to um, to give PG&E the criminal. Operator of uh, the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant, 1.1 billion dollars dedicated to um, uh, stopping uh, the horrible climate catastrophe. They're used squandering that money to shore up nuclear power. Yeah, what so, a waste!
5: Just, uh, billion, 1.1 billion dollars to Diablo Canyon. You gotta be kidding me. Uh, why don't I just shovel out? Anyway, we won't talk about it. Diablo needs to be shut. <laughs> We know that it's the number one threat to the health and safety of the people of Southern California, all 10 million of us here in the, in, the, in in LA County, and uh, so many more. And it's a complete boondoggle, as we know. Uh, Paul uh, Paul uh, is in Bakersfield, where they once wanted to build six nuclear power plants. Oh my God! And uh, <laughs> you know that that was a situation where if if they built them and you flushed your toilet, they all would have melted because I have no idea where they were <laughs> going to get the water to. Uh... That was it. that actually did happen, by the way. Right. There was a book called The Nugget File by an insider, um, Stephen Hanauer, and he had a bit of a sense of humor. And he laid out all these really wacky things that went on in nuclear power. Uh, Paul is smirking. I'm sure he remembers this book. And uh, in one case, they, in order to stop a pipe, stuff up a pipe they wrapped a the basketball in tape because it wasn't quite big enough and jammed it into the pipe this was at a nuclear plant and the other one is this is literally true there was a a, a small reactor in Florida <laughs> and every time they flushed the toilet in the reactor or, or building they 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 had <laughs> they almost had a meltdown there the guys had to like coordinate their bathroom breaks with when the nuke wouldn't explode so um but paul and and to talk it's great to have you with I'm looking at both of you by the way uh on my screen here in the uh uh, uh I'm my 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 camera's off but um if we turn the camera on we we'll lose all the power in the station but um my uh <laughs> My re- recollection, Paul, is that you are a great pioneer. And pa- by the way, Paul Guipe is the one of the world's leading experts on wind power. He has a website, which he'll tell us, and uh, has written many, many books, including the first one I re- really ever read on wind power. And um, uh, nobody knows more about wind energy than Paul Guipe. And um, uh, we're really glad to have you with us, Paul. I remember when you were a pioneer out there, um, uh, you, you got one of the first electric cars and you kept a diary on electric cars. And I've just been reading so much about electric cars, including a, uh, an article in today's New York times of how people are, are griping, not griping. They're griping about, um, uh, dealing with electric cars in really cold weather. Uh, and they showed some guy in a t-shirt in Chicago next to an EV, uh, um, electric vehicle charging station, not looking too happy. Uh, But um, let's
4: start first
5: with your history. It wouldn't have anything
4: to do with the fact that he was in a T-shirt.
5: No. No, no. (laughs) Uh, I guess they don't have winter clothing anymore in Chicago. But um, uh, tell us uh, first, when we get into that, tell us about your adventures as a pioneer in um, electric vehicles.
4: We've been uh, driving electric for, for nine years, and for the last six years, um, our EV has been our only car. Uh, my wife, Nancy, doesn't drive, and so it's the only car we have. We don't have two cars, one for long-distance trips and mm-hmm. one electric car for in, in the city. No, we, we, we have an electric car for all purposes. And when I first began driving electric, it was an early LEAF. And I must say, in those days, it was truly pioneering. We got to see parts of California that most people would never see. Because to get anywhere in that car, we would have to drive an hour and stop and charge. And so, and there were very, very few charging stations in those days. So we would stop at these out-of-the-way, oddball RV parks. Met a lot of very interesting people in those days. In fact, my wife misses it. Because we would drive an hour and then have a little adventure, meeting new people, seeing new scenery, looking at some pretty dumpy RV parks. These days, you know, you just get in a car and you drive. It's just like anything else. We go and uh, we drive and we get to where we're going and it's not quite as much of an adventure as it was back in the early days. Paul, I want to stop you
2: for a second. I'm wondering whether you encountered Clarence Thomas when you were uh, stopping at <laughs> RV parks around the country.
4: Yeah, you we know, were usually in the uh, low rent RV parks, not not in the more expensive ones. No. <laughs> well, Clarence had a two hundred
5: fifty thousand dollars RV that one of his uh, buyers or owners, um, you know, on the court, uh, um, uh, you know, was paid for uh, by one of his patrons. And um, uh, uh, you know, I'm surprised you and Clarence didn't run together. Now, you still, I assume, you still have uh, an electric vehicle.
4: Oh yes, I mean it's it's uh, we've got uh, thirty three thousand miles on the current one. Yeah, and what what are you driving? I'm driving a Chevy Bolt. And what year is it? Uh, this is a 2020. This is our second one. We were so happy with the first one, said, "Well, let's just get another one," and we got another one, and uh, we're you know happy with it. It's uh, my wife loves the collar. I'd drive to San Diego to get the color that she wanted, but everybody's happy. I'm happy. She's happy. And, and what color uh, the was color that? Really out.
2: What is that color?
4: It's turquoise. Uh, turquoise. Um, it, OGM's got some oddball name, but it's kind of a turquoise car. Well, we're we're happy.
5: I, when I get my electric car, I want it to be school bus yellow. School bus yellow is the most visible. You know, mo- more people are, are colorblind for red. Than any other car. So, you know.
4: Go ahead, Harvey. Um, you just told me something I was really disappointed to hear. You're not driving an EV now.
5: No. Because um, uh, uh, for our basic finances have been such that we are sticking right now with the 2010 Toyota Corolla that my wife inherited from her father. And it, it runs well. And it gets decent gas mileage, I hate to say. But we're we're ready, we're almost there. Uh, we've got a, a few legal cases which I've been telling to talk about. They have to clear, and once they do, I uh, my house here in L.A. is, <laughs> I think I have the steepest roof in L.A. Uh, our house was built in 1960, and it's a, it looks like a kit that was destined for Hyannis. It, it is a Cape Cod house. Uh, the uh, two women who. Um, uh, um, owned it before us. One of them was a sheriff. She had the only gun in our cul-de-sac. But, um, the, the roof is almost too steep for, um, uh, solar panels. So what, but it, it, it makes it just got under the wire. So what I want to do is, uh, I'm going to, uh, when I, when we're finally in the clear and can pull this off, I'm going to, uh, solarize the roof and, at the same time, by by the electric car. So one of the things I want to ask you about uh, is, um, we you know now we're now in the range, and the idiots at the CPUC, the California Public Utilities Commission, say they've just <laughs> sla- slaughtered the solar industry here to promote batteries, which is utterly absurd. Well, you can talk about this, of course, but I want to uh, be able to charge my car off the panels on my rooftop. Now,
4: are you doing that? Yes, we're doing that, and uh, that's a good idea, but uh, there's not, it's not an excuse for not getting an electric car now, uh, Harvey. You can get a used EV for less than $20,000, so um, there's really no excuse. Dump that polluting Corolla and get your EV. You can do the solar batteries stuff later. There's really no excuse. You've already was- waited too long. <laughs> You've lost $5,000 in state subsidies, that were discontinued January 1st. Currently, we have $7,500 tax credits for a new car, but $4,000 in subsidies at the point of purchase for a used car. If the used car is two years old, less than $25,000. And from what you just told me, it's, you're going to be buying cars, are going to be less than $25,000. You get a $4,000 subsidy. That'll take you down to less than $20,000. And there's really no excuse. You need to do it out and go out and do it now. Because if the Trumpers get in power, this is the first thing they're going to roll back. Well, if the Trumpers get in power, I won't be
5: living in the United States anymore. Um, You know, I'll I'll be in Portugal or Costa Rica or maybe Jamaica. I mean, you know, I've been to Dachau already in Germany. I don't need to go back. So... You know, uh, uh, let's not talk about the Trumpers getting in power. That's not something we want to contemplate. But I do want to ask you this question. First of all, it's very valuable information. Everybody listening in, and this is KPFK, California, Solar Topia. We were produced, by the way, by the great D'Angelo Jones. We're very grateful, D'Angelo. Thank you for for doing this. And we do have with us Tatanka Bricka, the, the new chair of the KPFK board. So I do want to ask you, Paul. Is my idea, well, it's not my idea, obviously, but I read this. I've been, there's been a lot of stuff on batteries in the, in the times this week. And one of the things that they were talking about was, do you need to get a battery for your house or can you use your electric car as the battery backup uh, for your solar system?
4: Well, Harvey, that's a great question. I thought you were going to start asking me about batteries for your house, which I'm not a big fan of. Of course, it does make some sense uh, now since this PUC has destroyed the the rooftop solar industry in a state. But absolutely, the future will be integrating EVs with your home uh, or your business uh, utility system. Not all cars can do it today. Uh, our Chevy Bolt can't do that. Our, our, the she- It's a Chevy, you know? It's its a cheap car, uh, so it can't do that kind of stuff. It's old technology, but the newer cars, and even the Teslas, and someday, because, you know, they said, oh, we, we're not going to do that. You know how Elon is. But they're changing their tune, and so even the Teslas in the future uh, will be able to integrate with your home electricity system, and you'll be able to use your car's battery uh, for backup. And, you know, the car has a big battery. Uh so if you're going to put for residential uh installations, you know the batteries are about 10 kilowatt hours a piece, maybe you get two, give you two days of storage. Well, our car has a 60 kilowatt hour battery. That's a whole week of storage just in the car itself. So, yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. In fact, we had we have friends in northern California thinking about putting in batteries in his house and i looked at the vehicles he had sitting there <clears throat> some of which are like the ones you've got and i said now you need to get rid of these polluters and you just need to to have one of them setting here and then if your power goes off you draw from from the, the vehicle ford f-150 does that now it's not trouble free none of this stuff is uh, slam dunk but it's coming and it does work and uh, the ford f-150 does it now of course that's a huge truck Huge battery. You, you can make three bolts with, for what you build in one of those Ford F one hundred and fifty. So it's it's overkill, but it does work. Tatsuki, you're not driving a Ford F one hundred and fifty, are you?
6: <laughs> I have one question for Paul. Yeah, I know. A couple years ago, there was legislation to bring that that that's a great deal. You talked about the point of sale giving credit, uh but at that point, with the state of California in a surplus. There was a bill that would have gone through easily that would have offered zero interest uh, for five years. Now, then the state went into a deficit at the start of COVID, and uh, all that was off the table. Do you have to pay prevailing interest rates on the car now?
4: Uh, yeah. It, well, yeah. Yeah. And I, of course i've always recommended if you're going to buy a new car you should just pay for it same with a used car you should just pay for it you shouldn't have to finance it yes. but yeah it's going to be prevailing interest rates but you know there are credit unions that cater now to electric vehicles we have one here in bakersfield they have a dc fast charging station right outside i said i asked them I said, well, it's kind of odd they did it very early on i said why did you put it there i said we have a lot of Tesla clients we loan money to people who buy Teslas so it makes perfect sense for us to have a charge station in the parking lot.
6: Yeah, we we've, we've got uh, a whole bunch of batteries lined up in a Tascadero for a charging station right at the local drive-in bank I go to. It's really easy.
2: So um yes,
6: yeah.
2: A, a couple of people actually called in at 818-985-5735. Somebody Collins. Yeah, um we're taking calls. We're hoping that Oliver Stone will call in and talk to Harvey <laughs> about uh about nuclear power, but um somebody gave up. I hope that was not Oliver. Uh if he did call <laughs> Please call back whoever you were who hung up, and we will be answering those uh, calls soon. So, so bear with us, and we will get to you if you have calls. So good for Paul Geif uh, about electric vehicles or batteries.
5: Yes, and then we're, we're electric vehicles. We segueing into batteries, but uh, um, uh, I did. So the point is, if I if I put solar on my roof, and then I have the proper plug alongside the roof, alongside the house. And then I have the right electric vehicle. I can save about ten or fifteen grand on the battery. Is that right? In Not other correct. words, ha- houses that yeah, you, are putting you, in solar
4: units now um, with uh, battery yeah. backup. The battery is about ten grand, right? Yeah, yeah, ten. Ki- it's about a thousand kilowatt, thousand dollars per kilowatt hour. So, yeah, a typical 10, uh, 10 kilowatt of battery. It's going to be less than that now because the prices have come down. But the important thing harvey i think it's important for listeners to know um, it's not just you take a plug from the uh the solar panels and you plug them into your car that's not the way this stuff works Um, you have to have the electronic device that connects your house to the car which you would normally use to charge the car and then when you need to use electricity from the battery it can take the electricity from the battery for your house Or if you want, when the sun is shining and you only want to charge your car with solar electricity, this kind of smart charger then will just take the solar electricity and use it to power, to, to, to store in your car, to charge your car. And that way you minimize the amount of electricity from the grid that you use to charge your EV. Now, I don't bother with that. We have a dumb charger since I you know, put it in nine years ago. <laughs> they they didn't make smart chargers in those days, and it works just fine. You don't need that fancy stuff. But if you're going to use your car to back up the electricity supply to your house, then, yes, you're going to need a smart charger, and that that's another special piece of equipment that you have to have. You okay. just can't plug one in. You know, it's electricity. There's a lot of stuff to this. We got a caller, uh, Andrew.
5: Can
7: we go, hear
2: from you, Andrew? Go ahead, Andrew.
7: Yeah, greetings. Good. What you got, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is Andrew Weiss. Uh, it's not all over. I'm sorry to say, but um, first of all, I want to thank. I, I'm I'm very happy. Philatopia is back on our airwaves with KPFK. I think this is one of the most important shows out there.
5: Well, thank you. Uh,
7: or on our airwaves and out there. So, and thank you both for doing this show, um, covering these important issues, including the Biona wetlands, which, uh, is now, uh, a nature preserve, historical wetlands in the heart of LA and Marina Del Rey, which is important to have. And I appreciate you folks covering that and local environmental issues as well. But anyway, um, re- regarding solar, um, and, um, Electric vehicles, more 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 uh, specifically, uh, you know, two separate topics. But electric vehicles, um, I've been taking a, a master course in uh, renewable energy from uh, a person named uh, Dan Chiris, who, who's been excellent. Wrote many books. I, I would recommend his work to everybody. Um, but he, he 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 told us he tells us that uh, for charging electric vehicles, there's basically three types of charges out there now. There's uh, at different speeds. There's one slower and one one faster and one super fast. And uh, the super fast one is, is, I guess, put out by Tesla. And he says that that charges them in, you know, no time, an hour or two or less. I don't know. the super fast. So you're talking about someone in, in a T-shirt being annoyed, you know, probably because it's taking the slower ones take many hours to charge a car. So I'm wondering uh, if uh, your guests can comment on that. You know, is there uh, more hope out there that companies like Tesla will make it easier for us to charge our cars? So we should all.
5: Thanks, Andrew. We got two more cars. That's great. But go ahead, uh, Paul. Give us an answer uh, to talk. It. Chime in whenever you, the spirit moves you. First thing is, first thing is, uh, Harvey, you uh, need yeah, to that's...
4: summarize. There's a couple different levels that we charge our cars at. There's what we call level one. That's like your household outlet. It'll take you all week to charge a car. at. That. So nobody does that. That's uh-huh. crazy. Then there's level two, that's what we have on our house. That's 240 volts. Ours charges at 40 amps. So we get about seven kilowatts out of that. And that will charge the car overnight. So most people have a level two charger at their home if they have a individual live in an individual home. And that will charge their car typically overnight. Then if you're taking a road trip, you're you're driving up to Bakersfield from from LA, you know, you're going to get stuck in so You're going to charge your car at a fast charge station. Tesla has, you know, the supercharger. But they're all the same. Fast chargers have different capacities. There are some really fast, fast chargers. And then there's some slow, fast chargers. Most of the stuff going in today is very fast, uh, like the superchargers that Tesla builds. Uh, it also depends on the car that you have now i have a chevy volt Uh, it's it's a cheap car and it's built by gm it's a chevy and uh, it's old technology and we charge at a very slow rate uh, compared to a tesla so it might take us 30 minutes at a charge station the tesla would be in and out in 10 minutes so typically if you're on a road trip you charge for about 30 minutes the teslas can charge 15 to 20 minutes the Hyundai Ionic series, uh, the Volkswagens, uh, ID4s, they'll charge at 200 uh, 200 kilowatts, and they'll be gone in 10 or 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, whereas I'll still be charging there for 30 to 40 minutes. So it really depends on the car, depends on the station that you're stopping at. But today, uh, there are a lot of fast chargers. And, of course, with the Biden administration, Uh, There is a ton of money. So it's not all going to nuclear, Harvey. You can rest assured some of this money is going to EVs. Uh, Over a billion dollars is going just to EV charge stations. And they're now beginning to roll out all across this country, including places like Texas and Kansas, all those red states. Florida is even putting some in.
5: Well, you know, Texas gets more wind power than anybody else. That's a very, very big deal. But we got a caller. Hank, we're going to get to you in one sec. Um, uh, but uh, everybody asks about cost. Now, the other day, I was in New Jersey. And I got picked up by an Uber that was a Tesla. I was blown away. was the first time I've ever been. In, well, I was in I was in David Crosby's Tesla, actually, uh, before he passed away from CSN. And uh, he loved it. He, and he, I loved him. He was a great guy. But um, the question, of course, everyone wants to know is cost. Now, I asked the Tesla driver, uh, who is my Uber guy, he said, and this really blew me away, he says that Uber is offering $350 a month leases for new Teslas, for Uber drivers. And I, so then, of course, I asked him, well, what's it cost to, to fill up? And he says he goes 250 to 300 do- miles
4: for 8 bucks. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. Yeah no I mean it's uh it's it's much much cheaper to drive drive an electric car it is some of some of the electric cars are more expensive than a gasoline diesel car uh initially but uh, the cars are much uh, cheaper to operate um there are hardly any maintenance uh we've had our bolts we've driven bolts now for 6 years and all I've had to do is replace the windshield wipers and uh, the window window washer fluid. I took had, had had it to the GM dealer, and I came out and I said, "So what's this eight dollar charge on here?" He said, so, "Well, we had to put window washer fluid in it." I said, "Okay, there you go." Fine. Okay, we got Hank.
5: Hank on the line. Uh, tell us where you are, Hank, and what do you got?
2: We've got Nancy on the line. Oh,
5: Nancy, you know your bad, your handwriting. Mine was almost I mean, as bad as mine. It's my fault. <laughs> hey, Nancy, how are you? Yeah. It's not Paul's wife, is it? Paul's wife is named Nancy, right? Right. Oh, oh that was a different <laughs> wife. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Nancy. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah, Nancy from Brentwood. Uh, listen, uh, you, you are talking about electric cars, you know, privately owned cars. But what we really need, uh, first place, Biden wants to send all this money to keep up the nuclear, po- nuclear power going right. and also money going for war to kill people in Palestine, which has got to stop. But secondly, we need free electric public transportation, bus space. You know, we can get many more buses on. Right now they're they're run by, you know, I like to call gas dead dinosaur juice. We need to get out uh, of this, as, as I agree with you, but it's got to be, we've got to have public transportation because right now we've got these traffic jams everybody's got to have their own car, you know, so that's a problem, too. So we need, uh, you know, people getting on the buses. If you've got a car, a car, an electric car, keep that in the garage separate when you want to take a road trip. And we can have free public transportation. The buses could take you everywhere. if We had, you know, you know many, many, many more buses going everywhere.
5: Yeah, and they should be electric. You're 100% right. Tatanka Bricker, you're shaking your head. I know you've worked on public transportation issues. Can you talk to Nancy here?
6: Nancy is entirely right. We need a commitment to public transportation in this country. And if there's a commitment, it can happen and it can serve the entire population. Um, And I wanna follow up uh, with when you asked about, is that accurate $8 Harvey for 250 to 300 miles? There's one uh, Tesla station off uh, San Luis Obispo has uh, 12 charging stations and it's right next to a blueberry pancake and waffle house. And every time I go by there, and I've stopped to talk a couple times, people order out breakfast. There's a, uh, a volunteer kind of uh, um, among everyone there during a the certain hour, exercise class. Everybody does a kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, kind of a yoga class together outside. And people order the food. They talk to each other and socialize. They read. And they're all out of there in less than an hour, filling the tank, about eight bucks.
5: Wow! Of course, if you really wanted to lose weight and do double duty, what they do is they put big like hamster cages, and you could run in the hamster cage and charge your car. That 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 would that would.
6: <laughs> yes, Paul, go actually, ahead. Actually, actually, there the guy who invented uh, the uh, uh, one of those first power drinks, you know, with tons of uh, caffeine, uh, tons of caffeine in, and I can't remember what it was. You know, 10, ten fifteen years ago one of his projects he had a lot of energy projects he designed a stationary bicycle and distributed several thousand of them in africa and you run your you you put an hour into your stationary bike and it would take care of your electricity and computer needs in your home for the entire day cool
4: i like that paul yeah Hey, Harvey. Harvey, let me go to the buses, because I think that's a great segue into, into buses. Um, and like most things in renewable energy or in electric vehicles, the United States is way behind the eight ball in comparison to China. Uh, we have very few electric buses in service in the United States now. Uh, we were getting some more in the Los Angeles. We're getting, I think, Los Angeles School District just had a, one of the biggest orders for school bus electric school buses in the United States. At the same time, China has, I think, three hundred thousand commuter buses in ser- electric vehicle buses in service today. And the good news is is that they have built a factory in Lancaster, uh, um, California. So right outside of Los Angeles, it's still in Los Angeles County. BYD has built a bus factory, and they're building electric buses. In California today, what we need, of course, is, as uh, Tatanka said, is we need public policy. It says, don't just buy 10 or 20, buy hundreds of these things and buy them now, not next year. Well, I got to raise the
5: issue. I'll go to Myra in a sec. But um, we were supposed to have a massive purchase of electric vehicles by the Postal Service. And this idiot Mm -hmm. who's in charge, and I don't know why Biden... (laughs) Hadn't gotten rid of this guy, Louis DeJoy, who's been destroying the Postal Service since the Trump era. Um, uh, He has backtracked on the purchase of electric vehicles for the Postal Service, which is outrageous. But you're 100% right. We need more electric buses in this country.
2: I want to thank everybody for listening, and stay tuned. You're listening to California Solartopia on 90.7 FM Los Angeles, KPFK. And we're going to have a short musical break right now and come right back to hear uh, Paul Guy talk about buses, electric buses, I believe. Just give
3: me the warm power of the sun. From the darkness and the cold But some may seek a way to take control When it's bought and sold Now I know that lives are at stake Yours and mine and our descendants in time There's so much to gain, so much to Give me the one power of the sun.
5: Yeah, you can take all that atomic poison power and well. Anyway, I can't say that on the air. So um, uh, we got the great Paul Guype with us, one of the world's leading experts in wind and alternative energy. With uh, alongside the wonderful Tataka Bricka, who also specializes in environmental stuff and is the new chair of the KPFK board. But great to have both of you with us.
2: And, and we're still waiting for Oliver Stone to call in <laughs> at 8. <Right. laughs>
5: you know what? Eight. I think I think uh, um, um, Alan Dois rubbed him out, so oh, we got to be okay. careful about that.
2: However, <laughs> uh, 818-985-5735 is the number to call. We do have one caller on the line right now. Go ahead. Um, and, and, John, uh, you're up.
0: Hey, John. Uh, how you doing? John Breezer from Transport Station here in Los Angeles. I would just like to say that the true revolution in electric vehicles is happening in micro-mobility electric vehicles. An electric car is an internal combustion engine car with an electric motor. Like I said, this revolution is happening in micro-mobility. The billion dollars that are for charging stations is a free ride for the, uh, for the car industry, and it should go to micromobility and public transit. That should not be given to those charging stations. They should have to pay for it themselves. Micromobility, electric bikes, electric scooters, electric uh, tricycles, cargo tricycles that are electrified, it's happening in Europe. It needs to happen here. We need to get out of the car electric, gas, hydrogen, whatever it is.
6: Well, thank you for that, Tatanka. You're you're shaking your head. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, the, the caller is entirely right. And the, when we when we look at the overall energy situation, when you're when you're talking about transportation, you also need to talk about housing, because when you look at the energy savings costs, if you put your affordable housing next to public transportation, with the ability to do the micro commuting out of that it creates a beautiful uh, a beautiful model and we're not creating it as he said it it exists it already exists and it it's much more affordable than than uh treating these issues separately nobody who gets into public policy does treat them separately you inevitably have to coordinate the whole thing together and there's some interesting models we should get on this or another show on on homelessness affordable housing and public transportation and we know that people some really good things happening out of the mayor's office, and also in the private sector. So, that's for another show.
4: Great, 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 Paul, uh, you want Harvey. Jump in on that? Harvey, go ahead. Harvey, I want to jump, jump in here, and that uh, uh, when we're talking about uh, electrified buses for uh, public transportation, I want to add we need to electrify rail transit in the United States too. Uh, the goal, of course, in California is to build a high-speed rail system that will be electrified. I think I going to have batteries. It's going to have a catenary system. It's going to carry wires. But that's going to be public transit uh, that you'll be able to get uh, ultimately, probably after our lifetime, from Los Angeles to San Francisco on an electric vehicle uh, that's a public uh, public access. At the same time, we need to electrify rail across the United States. We don't need diesel engines pulling these long trains all across the United States. They already have the right-of-way. All we need to do is string the wires um, along the right-of-way, and we can electrify the rail Um that's just something that should have been done 50 years ago. Of course, we haven't done it. Um, that's, of course, been done in Europe. It's, it's being done in India. In India, third world country f- is electrifying all its rails, and we still don't even talk about it here. So then talk about public, public transit, uh, public cargo hauling, like the um, rail system. But we can stick to um, <clears throat> micromobility for the cities, um but well, there's a lot of place in the United States micro is not going to do much for you. You're going to need a you're going to need a you're going to need a car in the United States in Canada to get to where you're going, at least to a parking lot and then you can take your micro mobility, you get to get your thing out of the trunk and then you can go to your final destination. So this is stuff that has to be done, has to be done now. Currently in the United States, last year only 9% only 9% of new vehicle sales in uh United States were electric vehicles. That includes plug-in hybrids, which I'm not a big fan of. Whereas in China, in China with 1.3 billion people, it was 36%. Wow. 36%. Wow. Diego's on the line. We'll get to you in
5: a second, Diego. I did want to mention that when I was at the University of Michigan, I did have a Vespa. a um, uh, But, you know, their polluters... Because you, I had to put oil in. Uh, Vespa is a motor scooter for you guys. And uh, if, uh, if you don't know, the Italian uh, word Vespa means wasp, because that's what they sound like. Uh, uh, not why it was Anglo Saxon Protestant, but the actual uh, um, uh, uh, animal. But um, one of the big pollution problems in cities like Bangkok and some of the cities in India, as opposed to Indiana, yes, is uh, you, you get terrible pollution from the motor scooters. And if those can okay. be converted, to uh, uh, electric, that's going to make a huge deal. So, thank you for that uh, caller. We really appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Diego on line one. Diego, how you doing, bro? Yeah,
8: good. Thanks. I, I live in Palmville, which is right next door to the Lancaster uh, BYD electric bus facility that one of your guests was talking about. Yeah. The only thing is, they benefit from some federal subsidies. But the uh, congressperson for this area, Mike Garcia, was trying to get rid of that funding because BYD is technically owned uh, by a Chinese citizen, and he didn't want any money going to a Chinese citizen. Not that American CEOs do much better with their profits, but uh, just to say that there's some issues there. Uh, I hope they got worked out. A lot of the union people were at the town hall telling Mike Garcia not to cut the funding, for the electric bus subsidies. What I think we need is unions to basically push for shorter work weeks so we have less commuting.
5: Well, good for you. i got to say, since you mentioned the magic word union, um, you know, we have or we had, before the California Public Utilities Commission crushed the solar solar rooftop industry in this state, um, uh, we had 70,000. 70,000 Californians working in the rooftop solar industry. And as Paul pointed out last week, what the CPUC has done has cut the solar rooftop installations in the state by, you know, up to 85%. And a big problem we have is that the unions don't support rooftop solar because the, the rooftop solar installers are not unionized. And that's outrageous. They should be unionized. As a result, when the, when the unions support solar, they support the big desert-based uh, installations, which are unionized and are nowhere near as efficient or uh, economically or ecologically uh, beneficial as the rooftop. Uh, Kentucky, Kentucky, you want to jump in on that?
6: Yeah. As, as most people listening and as everyone on this show knows, this— Whole solar uh, and wind usage is totally tied with the the federal government and Newsom's decision to uh, turn his back on that and go with the nuclear solution. I have a a, a bit of good news though. Mothers for Peace out of San Luis Obispo uh, had an event with their lead attorney Diane Curran, who's been working with them with uh, just amazing uh, amazing cooperative relationship for over thirty years. And she has a PUC hearing on appeal on uh, March 29th. And they're going to, PUC is going to have to reveal what they haven't, which is what is the real cost of Diablo Canyon. This is by law they're supposed to do and they haven't done it. And she's flushed them out. So there's going to be a hearing on that. And if we can get the the real cost and we can get the fact of the, the embrittlement issue, out in the open because they haven't really tested for that and also the fact that we don't need it in fact it's it's the worst solution if, uh, in in the uh, event of blackouts so the mothers for peace are continuing their good work and we'll have more to report on uh, march 29th right people can support them about it People can thanks to talk, People can
5: support uh, Mothers for Peace at mo- Mothers for Peace dot org. All one word, not a number, but M O T H E R S F O R P E A C E dot org. And people should c- follow the Diablo kish, uh, issue at that website.
6: Thanks it's, for that They're talk. all their model also for nearly fifty years. They're an entire volunteer organization. So all the money that goes there goes for uh, expert testimony from like. Uh, Professor at UCLA and UC Berkeley, et cetera, and for the attorneys. And they work out deals with them so that they their rates are reasonable, too.
2: And they do really important work. They really deserve our support. We need them. So we've got Al on the line. Hey, Al. Hold on. Let's get Al on the air.
0: Al, you there? Hello? Yes, I'm here. Can you
5: hear me? Absolutely.
0: Great to have you with us. What do you got? Hey, uh, I agree we should shut down. The uh, nuclear power plant but you know the head of Toyota he brought up a good point is that uh, if we if all of Japan went electric cars they wouldn't have enough power to power all those electric cars and so you it's great that you guys all want to go uh, electric but without the power infrastructure in place we cannot power all these electric buses and electric cars and electric bikes, and they power our electric homes and electric stoves. We need, we have to upgrade our power and get rooftop solar going first. Or if this is just spitting in the wind.
5: Uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned the wind. Uh, Paul, uh, you've spit in the wind a few times. Um, you want to respond to
4: that? Uh, I'm going to respond to that, but first I'm going to go back to uh, the union question because, uh, Harvey, you, you blew a good opportunity uh, to, to buy a union when you didn't buy that bolt when you had a chance. I bought two <laughs> bolts. Both were made by the UAW. I'll, I'll buy your bolt, so Paul. See, Tell me your bolt. Proud, <laughs> proud to see that sticker on my uh, door frame, And uh, that is, uh, the, first of all, that anybody would use Toyota as a point of reference, it <laughs> falls into question how much they are aware of what's going on in the world today. Toyota is the lead of a lobbying organization that manufactures cars, too. But it's also a very powerful lobbying organization that has been opposed to electrification in the United States. They are a major supporter of uh, Joe Manchin, who's um, you may have heard of him. And uh, they have a plant in his district, and they've put in a lot of pressure to defeat the Biden initiatives to electrify the American vehicle fleet. The argument that we don't have an act- electricity is bogus, first of all, because that it implies that you don't understand how electricity is produced and transmitted. Most of us charge our electric cars at night we have lots of generating capacity at night we will have to improve the grid as your caller said but we have to improve the grid anyway to accept all the wind and all the solar that we plan to build out so these things are coming anyway so we don't have to do anything extra if we're going to have electric buses and electric cars We have to build a lot more solar. We need three times more solar, three times more wind, three times more geothermal, all these things um, to meet our climate goals. And if we do those things, we will have plenty of electricity for our cars. Tatanka? Yeah, I want to double down on what what,
6: um, Paul talked about, Toyota. Just an interesting story in... uh, Early 2000, when I was living up in the Pacific Northwest, I met a gentleman um, living off the grid on solar and a whole bunch of things who used to be the lead engineer for Mercedes Benz in Germany. He got he got uh, poisoning from the uh, you know from the gasoline, and race drivers used to come from all over the world to get another quarter to half a percent efficiency from him. Well, he dedicated himself to creating. Uh, really, he ended up on his way to working for a totally non-combustion uh, engine. Uh, the, the partway solution was he he invented something called the Bonner fixed piston engine, which weighed 75 pounds, had three moving parts and generated just over 100 horsepower and got over 100 miles an hour. This is without being hybrid. And he could not get Uh, a car company in the U S Toyota came out to visit and the the chief engineers at Toyota came out and they said, you have the real thing. This is a fantastic thing, but we can't support you. And when he asked why I said, because you render it's more, it's more efficient. It's better for the planet, et cetera. You render our entire, our entire manufacturing capacity obsolete.
5: (laughs) Well, that's the, uh, that's a good moment. Uh, when that happens and it's happening right now uh we're with uh, uh the great Paul Guype in Bakersfield, Totabrica um in uh, Northern California, in the studio with me is our engineer d'Angelo Jones and my co-host mile reason we're talking about electric cars. We did want to segue in the ten minutes we have left uh into batteries now batteries um are by, there's a lot of buzz. Um, about uh, a major sea change in batteries, if that's the right word. I guess C would stand for charging. Um, from lithium to sodium.
2: Sea salt. Sea There's salt, there sea. you go.
5: And, um, you know, th- there was just apparently an enormous find, fairly recent, of lithium in the Salton Sea. Uh, the impression I got is that it's about enough for the next couple hundred years, but I don't know. But, uh, Paul, uh, as an expert in this, um, is there is there anything real and is it significant, this idea that sodium could displace uh, lithium, at least in stationary batteries? You know, it'd probably be too heavy by weight to go in cars, but for stationary batteries, are are we looking at something significant here?
2: But the Chinese are doing it in cars, Harvey.
5: The
4: sodium batteries? Oh, yeah. Oh, all right, go ahead. Uh, well, go, Paul, what do you what do you got on that? Well, the first thing is that in terms of uh, alternative battery chemistry is the lithium phosphate, um, lithium ion phosphate batteries. Those those are in use now. Tesla uses those. I think they're made in China, but but they're they're using those. So that that's a different chemistry. There's all kinds of work being done in this. There's billions of dollars going into this. And I would just caution the left community in te- to not to try to grab some panacea that's always just out of reach. What people need to do now, we're in a climate emergency. Not look for a new battery solution, not wait for what's going to be the most super, the thing that t- the Toyota is saying, wait, don't buy anything right now. 10 years from now, we're going to have a car for you. Then you know, oh, you'll really <laughs> like that one. Yeah. No, We are in the middle of a climate emergency and we need to stop burning stuff period. You need to buy the cars that are available today, not tomorrow. That technology is all coming. Solid-state batteries offer a lot of promise as well. Lots of development in solid-state batteries offer all kinds of advantages over the current way we produce batteries, but they're not here yet. I mean, Ford, GM, uh, Volkswagen, all the Chinese companies, they're all working on the Korean company they're all working on this. But the big investment in batteries is pretty much the traditional stuff. It will be the lithium-ion batteries or the phosphate batteries. The sodium batteries may be coming. They may be, uh, there's one of the BYD may be building a line to produce them in uh, in China. Uh, but the big investments in the United States are lithium-ion batteries, and we're talking billions and billions of dollars investments in batteries, and that's, that's for now. That's what we need now. It's like windmills, you know. We don't need some super-duper windmill that, comes 20 years from now we need the windmills that we have today which of course i've been saying is for 40 years we should have been using these windmills for 40 years we wouldn't have this crisis but we are there now and so we need to use the electric vehicles we have today now well i can't
5: resist of course making the segue into nuclear power you know people (laughs) people are telling us well nuclear this nuclear that the fact is that if every person like me and you guys and Mila, if every no-nuker in the United States suddenly converted and said, we want to have nuclear power, they still can't happen. There's no there there. You know, they, there's the old light water reactors, the last one in the country, may or may not open this year in Georgia, Volkdahl, came in. It was supposed to be $15 billion for the two of them, came in at forty, And then next door are the two Reactors that never got built at V.C. Uh, summer in South Carolina—they were supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, giant reactors. There's a nine billion dollar hole in the ground in South Carolina where those two reactors were supposed to be. There are no other big reactors in the country. They're under construction. Then they, they so they turn around and just like your discussion of batteries, new battery technologies, they're saying we're going to have small modular reactors, and they and they're this and they're that and they're blah 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 and they're safe and, and cheap and blah blah. They never talk about the price, by the way. But the bottom line is, even if all of us laid over and played dead, and they went ahead and built these small reactors, they're not ready for ten years. There's not going to be any. Even under optimum circumstances, they can't build small reactors to, to deploy for another decade. So re-
4: I got him. So there's really no debate on nuclear power because there's no there there. Partly the, the debate has been concluded in China. And if you look at China, China has a state enterprise. It's a, a state economy. And if anybody can build nuclear reactors at scale, it's China, because if you object, they, you know, they do something with you. (laughs) So in China, China tried to to cover their bases, um, everything now and renewables are producing hundreds of times what the nuclear reactor industry is building. They can't get them built any faster than the rest of us. The Chinese can't do it. If they can't do it, nobody can do it. But they're building renewables at an incredible pace. And they're also building electric cars at an incredible pace. I just want to segue into why it's important to drive electric. The first thing is, why, why would somebody want to drive electric? Well, they're simpler. They're easier to use. And they're a lot more fun. It makes driving fun again. If you've forgotten what it's like <laughs> to have fun driving a car, EVs bring it back to you like when you were a kid and the other thing is we need to realize that whenever you buy a gallon of gasoline or diesel fuel you're contributing to the saudi royal family you're contributing to uh, putin and other oligarchs oil oligarchs around the world 40 to 60 percent of the russian state income is is from the sale of, of fossil fuels so every time you buy a gallon of gasoline, now you're not just polluting our air that we have to breathe; you're also contributing to the wars around the world, and you're, contr- you're contributing. Well, in the case of the Saudis, you're probably contributing to Trump's campaign. <laughs> yes, and I, I got to you know if you
5: really want to make the first car that I ever drove that I really liked, that was a Dodgeham car at uh, the the amusement park. Remember, you'd, you'd smash into everybody. It was a
4: electric. It yes. Was electric. So if they would
5: actually then make our cars out of rubber so you could smash into each other with your electric, that would be really fun. Hey, you guys are fabulous. We're at the end of our time here, at D'Angelo. One minute? Oh, my God. Um, uh, Go ahead to talk, and then we
6: got to sign off. Well, for a future show, Harvey, we have to fo- fo- focus on climate restoration. We have to... We have to get. We we're in an emergency. We have to get past this carbon neutral, even carbon zero. We have to, there are ways to get back to pre-industrial levels. Right, right, a couple right. Decades. So we have. We we should focus on that. And get the people in here who know something about it. Well, that'll be Paul Geip. You're magnificent. Uh, uh, Tatanka
5: Brick, it's so great to have you. Thank, Thank you, Walt. D'Angelo, for uh, engineering.
2: Thanks to everyone who called.
5: Yeah, lots of callers today, but man. Oliver what a great thing.
2: Oliver didn't call. And,
5: <laughs> and remember, everybody, no nukes, no more, uh, no more uh, gasoline cards. I'll melt down my Toyota next week, and uh, we will see you back here <laughs> at Solartopia, California, Solartopia. Thank you, D'Angelo. No nukes, everybody.
2: No keep the
0: faith. No
3: well, we bit the apple and the garden was lost. So we had to work to pay the cost. And so we went digging into the ground. And started to burn many things we found. But don't you know about no. So.
6: got rich the poor got so the fuel ran scarce the price jumped high and so we gave nuclear power a try but
3: don't
1: Hey, this is Wanda Sykes, and you're listening to KPFK, 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. And if you'd like to shell out a few bucks, you know, keep us up and running so I can have nice conversation in a cool voice like this. Pick up the phone and call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Thank you.
7: Kabarigani, join us for a Black History Month KPFK fundraiser by Freedom Now and Move the Crowd. A conversation and book signing with Dr. Gerald Horn, hosted by our sister Dr. Melina Abdullah, happening Saturday, February 3rd, 2024, from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Center for Black Power in Africatown, Lamert Park. Dr. Horn will be discussing his books, I Dare Say, and Acknowledging Radical Histories. This is happening at 3423 West 43rd Place, National nine triple zero eight tickets are-